All right, so let's just kind of work through the passage here. So, uh, so it says, uh, verse 42, right, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And so they finished, so Paul finished his sermon. After that, right, this, some of these people just latched onto him. They were begging to hear uh, these, uh, that they would keep hearing, that keep uh, receiving um, this word, right? Um, they were begging. I mean, this, and so just think about that for a second. Like, how, when's the last time you've begged for something? Have any of you really, really begged? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's fun, you know, like with my, you know, it's, sometimes it's, fr- it's fun with friends or just, it's just a beg, you know, just for fun and whatever, you know. But, you know, have you ever been really, really desperate for something? Really been, um, really been at your wits end? <laughs> really been uh, just desperate? What is that? Yeah, exactly, right? You know, we as, we as humans, we're so prideful. We're usually so self-sufficient, right, that we often don't beg. Like, we, you know, begging is often beneath us. We, you know, especially as Americans, right, with all of our needs <laughs> met, right? Um, but, you know, when you are in those dire, have you ever been in such a dire circumstance that you've really had to beg for something, food or money or a place to live or... Um, or for somebody to help you with something, you know. Um, well, that's just the idea: is that they um, they 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 were begging Paul and Barnabas. They weren't just saying, "Oh, that's interesting, Paul," or oh, "That's cool," or "Yeah, yeah, tell me more about." It. But they, they were begging, like they were asking. They were they were they were like, "We want more. We need more of this. Please come back. Don't," you know. They were. Um, the, you know, they, they heard the word of God and it created this, this spiritual hunger within them, this, this craving for more of God's word. It, it awakened them out of this spiritual slumber. You know, they had, uh, they had um, f- for their whole lives, heard the, heard the scriptures read, um, but basically reduced to morals or to nationalistic ideals, right? Um, they, they didn't really read the word, right, with the, um, with really the, or they, they, they didn't, they, they read the word, but they had not yet known the, the fulfillment of its promise in Christ. But as Jesus, as, as Paul preached Christ fulfilling, right, this, the, the law and the prophets, it awakened this, this spiritual hunger in them, right? And so, that's the first thing we see in the, the efficacy of, of this, this ministry is that, right, there's an awakening. How many of you remember, right, when, you know, you guys were lost? You were, you were just out there. You were doing your own thing, right? You weren't expecting to be, to, to hear the word of God, or you, you didn't expect for God's word to impact your life the way it did, right? But something happened, right? Somehow a friend invited you. A friend shared the gospel with you, um, Somehow you heard a sermon or something, and right there was just that awakening. At some point, right, your your heart was like, "Wait, what is this?" Right, and there was this there's a spiritual hunger in you. Right, and I, I remember, you know, and it, I mean, I remember the first time, like it, I, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I accepted Christ when I was about 18, you know, because I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was messed up. I was just like, "Lord, I need you," and I gave my life to the Lord, but I really wasn't discipled well in the Word of God. And I read the Word of God, and, but I didn't really necessarily know how to read it or understand it with a real gospel-centered view. I remember the first time, like, even as a, um, you know, it wasn't until my later 20s that I heard, like, clear gospel preaching, like, with, and I had that hunger. And when I heard, I was like, oh. <gasps> what is that? And I just went after this guy. I was like, tell me more, tell me more. And it just awakened this hunger for God's word in a way that um, I hadn't had before. And so, you know, um, again, the, the, the word of God rightly preached should arouse this, this hunger, this craving, because we are a new creation. Um, we were dead in our sins. We, and as we get it, and as we were made alive in the gospel, right, we we had this taste for spiritual food. We need more. We want more, right? Anybody read The Hungry Caterpillar, the book, as a kid, right? He was a tiny little egg, right, just on a leaf, and then one day he hatched, and then as soon as he hatched, what did he do? He, all he wanted to do was eat, right? <laughs> he just ate through a leaf, ate through 
of fruit, ate through all this candy, right? And he just ate and right. And so it's the same with as believers. When we hear the word of God, we receive it, right? We just um, God awakens that spiritual hunger, that craving where we should want and desire more of that. And so if we ever lose that spiritual hunger, right, we should pray for God to, we should pray for God to renew that, right? And so after the meeting of the synagogues broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So again, kind of what uh, Tani was pointing out, many, not all, many followed, right? So the gospel impacted some, not others, right? And so then the natural then um, reaction was not just to hear and receive the word of God, right? But then to follow according to it, right? God's word is not just, hey, um, you know, un, you know, hear these theological ideas and affirm them, but no, actually the God's word should uh, lead to change, should lead to exactly what we're talking about, that discipleship um, fulfillment that Gabe was talking about. This is where discipleship starts. We hear the word of God, but then they began to follow Paul and Barnabas, right? Uh, Paul, uh, to, the first, to, to the Corinthians, he said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So they weren't trying to become like Paul in his, you know, in his personality, in his, you know, in his um, you know, uh, exterior ways, right? But they wanted, but they were, but they were immediately, they, they began to follow Christ as they began to c- um, connect with Paul, you know, um, uh, commune with him and Paul and Barnabas, right? And so now there's, as Paul and Barnabas have, for many years, walked with Christ and have, and walked with other believers. Now, um, right there's this um, there's this discipleship relationship starting, right? And so we can't again. Um, and I know you guys know this, but we have to just really take this to heart, right? Is that we can't just read the Word of God and listen to it and then separate ourselves from the body of Christ, separate ourselves from other believers, right? We need to have that that fellowship with other believers. We need to um, have pastors and leaders that we can um, uh, come along with, come under and shepherd and guide us, right? Um, God has given these gifts to the church, uh, um, the uh, evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, all for our edification, right? And so um, so we can't just, again, because, and I used to be like that. I used to just be like, yeah, I'll just, just listen to all these John MacArthur sermons, I listen to these R.C. Sproul teachings, and yeah, yeah, but the hard thing for me, right, was then being humble to follow, um, to being, uh, to being uh, obedient, to get involved with other believers' lives, you know. I kind of like my space, you know. But, um, but uh, you know, so in hearing God's word, there was a natural uh, reaction to follow along with Paul and Barnabas, who... As they spoke with them, continuing verse 43, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So again, uh, being a Christian, it doesn't mean that you just hear and you just affirm things in your head and be like, yeah, good, check, right? It means that, and it doesn't mean either that then, okay, well, now I'm going to start living by a set of rules. Now I've got to I got to dress a certain way. I got to do these certain things throughout the week. I got um, to do all these checklist things in order to make God happy and to be a good Christian, right? It's not about the, it's not, it's not some exterior conformity. No, Paul says, no, uh, follow me as I follow Christ in the grace of God. So to become, to be a follower of Christ, right, is to live by grace, to live by um, all the spiritual gifts and, sup- and, and supplying of what the Holy Spirit gives us in Christ. And so, um, and so um, there's this uh, movement already, right, to, um, to, to be changed in Christ, to conform in Christ. And so to be a disciple doesn't mean that, um, uh, okay, now I've, start following all these religious things. No, to be a disciple means that I'm committed to my life being changed in, in Christ. I am committed to be, my heart being 
uh, purified, to become more loving like Christ, to be more pure, to be more righteous, to be more generous, worshipful, thankful, right? Everything that glorifies God in, in Christ's likeness, right? Um, because it's the demonstration of what he does in us. And so, um, so how do we continue in that grace? And so that's the grace, right? We want more of this grace, right? So how do we, but he says to continue in it, right? So what does it mean to continue in God's grace? Anybody have any thoughts on that? What that could mean? Continuing in God's grace? Isaiah? Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. True. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. So we need. So it's a real complete reliance on grace. But does that mean it's completely void of intentional action on our part? And. No, right, the Bible speaks of, you know, in, in theology we talk, we talk of means of grace, right? God is a supply of all spiritual power and, and gifts, right? But how do we access that? How do we receive it, right? Well, there's, you know, many, uh, there's several means of grace that God, that the scripture alludes to, right? First and foremost, learning God's word, hearing it taught, sitting under biblical preaching, right? being plugged in in a good church that preaches the word and, um, and is committed to discipleship and to church discipline. Um, praying, right? Praying is, 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 is the most foundational means of, of receiving God's grace, asking for it, right? So many times, right, I'm struggling and I'm, you know, and I'm discouraged and, and I feel like, oh, Lord, I don't have what it takes, right, to do this or this. Ask, Ask and you will receive. God will give you everything that you need to, right? Just take that next step of obedience to just be faithful, to persevere, right? He's not, um, I wish, sometimes I wish God would just supercharge me and just do and like just make me a super Christian overnight. Just make me like, like, like the almost a perfect Jesus-like Christian, like overnight. But it's a slow thing, right? I wish God would just do this thing, but he always, what is that? Me. Ah, you don't know me at all. <laughs> yeah, ask my wife, ask my kids. I got to ask them, ask, uh, ask Pastor Chris and Pastor Bob. I got to ask, I got to apologize to them all the time. <laughs> Say, pray for me. <laughs> and stuff. But man, uh, yeah, God always uh, supplies what we need in him. Uh, prayer, uh, seeking the corporate spiritual gifts in the church, right? That God, we minister one another to. Serving others is a means of grace. I truly believe that. I believe that. Um, right, by intentionally committing to loving, forgiving, serving um, others. Um, God even ministers to our heart through that. Uh, repentance, continually examining our heart, asking God for forgiveness, like identifying ways that, Lord, I need you to change this in me. I need you to crucify this sin within me, um, right? And so through these, these are just the things, right? We could do a whole, we could do a whole, like, conference on just this topic, right? But uh, these are the things that, these are the means through which we seek God's grace and receive it, right? So he tells them to continue seeking God's grace to become more Christ-like and follow more faithfully. All right, so 44, the next Sabbath, so a whole week goes by, right? So this, this whole week they were asking, they were seeking, following Paul and Barnabas, learning what it is to, to, to continue in the grace of God. Uh, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city, gathered to hear the word of the Lord, right? That's what Tani was pointing out. So in just one week, this message, right, this, this buzz uh, permeated throughout the whole city, right? The Holy Spirit went out and drew in the whole city after that. So there's this large crowd now, the whole city, and it's not just Jews. It's not just those faithful synagogue Jew, Jew attenders, 
right? But it's, these are Gentiles. These are like people who have no biblical background. They have no scriptural reference. They, have, they don't know Isaiah. They don't know Moses. They don't know Abraham. They don't know David, right? They're just like, what is this? So they're coming in, and, um, and they're, they're, they're trying to listen in. They're, they're gathering uh, somehow um, around this synagogue and hearing the word of God uh, preached. And so we see this just this powerful working of Lord. Isn't that what we want to see in our state? Isn't that, I want to see that in Hawaii. <laughs> like, I want to, like, you know, everything that's happening, all of the, you know, all of the, all of the chaos, all of the conflict, all of the fear, and the, all of this, I mean, I truly believe it's, it's the fruit of a lost society. Like, people who are um, without the word of God, without the knowledge of Christ. And I think what we're seeing is just, and all this is just seeing the, um, the lostness of the world. And man, if, if you know, we want to pray for, you know, we, I want to see Hawaii <laughs> change and revive. And, and that only happen as churches raise up and preach God's word faithfully and, and really pray, continuing this grace of God. And just to see the Holy Spirit draw people in is... That's something that is worth committing to faithfully praying for and seeking after. But so the whole city is gathering to hear the word of the Lord, right? So there's this buzz, like, we want to hear that. So, right, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And so you would think, I mean, right, I mean, from a natural, kind of from a ordinary perspective, you would think that, oh, isn't this great? You know, like, uh, all these believers have come, <laughs> you know, I mean, all, all of these, all these Gentiles have come to hear the word of God. Like, you would kind of think that, I mean, the, the, the Jews would be like, yeah, like, this is, this is awesome, right? We, we would kind of, we would think that, right? But that's obviously not the case, right? So they, they were marked by just this staunch unbelief, right? They were jealous. You know, the, the leaders were very territorial of their, their, their place of importance. Um, and, the, you know, jealousy is just one of the marks of the flesh that Paul later talks about in Galatians. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissents, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So their reaction is just one of several um, marks of uh, what it's like of, of slavery to the flesh, slavery to sin, right? So these Jews heard the word of God, but they're still in bondage to sin. They're still in bondage to slavery. They have not uh, received that that freedom, that that transformation. Um, they were contradictory, right? They were suppressing the truth. They were exchanging the truth about God for life. It's not that just they. It's not that they just didn't listen and didn't want to believe. No, they were actually conjuring up lies. They were actually conjuring up false teachings to contradict Paul publicly. Right, so they were going through. They were, as Paul was preaching, they're they're thinking of ways. What what kind of lies can we make up to to turn people away? And so um, they have this uh, hatred for God's truth. Not they're not just rejecting God's truth. They hate God's truth. They reviled Paul. Um, the CSB says that they insulted him. Uh, NIV says they heaped abuse on him. Uh, the NASB said they were blaspheming. All right, and so they were doing everything, uh, just every abominable thing towards Paul and Barnabas, short of actually physically harming him, right? They hated him. They, re- they, it, it, they weren't just saying, oh, we don't believe, you know, uh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll pass. No, they were actually, uh, the, the gospel just invoked this hatred um, um, from on their part, this, this, this wicked, um, uh, just, uh, reviling on their part right and that's the way and so that's when the gospel is clearly preached right that's one reaction <laughs> we will see uh is that people people don't just not believe they they're not indifferent no uh as sinners we hate the truth 
um, unbelievers not just, they don't just, right, they're not neutral. They actually hate and revile um, God's word. They, are, they, they show themselves to be enemies of God, right? And so you, um, and when, when the gospel is preached, you know, um, clearly and um, boldly and publicly, you are going to see this reaction from some people, guaranteed. So when we see this, it doesn't mean that we didn't preach the gospel faithfully, right? If we share the gospel with somebody truthfully and openly and biblically, and we get this kind of reaction, well, does that mean that we failed in our evangelism? Does that mean we failed in our, in our uh, witnessing? No, it doesn't. It means that God is working out his sovereign purposes for their salvation or judgment <laughs> one way or another, right? If you, so if you share the gospel with somebody, right, in love and truth, right, your job is to uh, share, love that person, pray for them, right? But so, so we'll get to this. So we'll get to this next point in a second. What's up, Christian? Okay. Verse, verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Again, right, they were um, to reach, they were, um, the, the calling was to reach the Jews first because, right, as Romans uh, 3, one, uh, 3 says, right, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. They were the ones who had the scriptures. They were the ones who were supposed to see that the Messiah was, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was a fulfillment of David's son, Right, but they were the ones who were showing themselves the most resistant, the most, um, uh, the most stubborn towards it. Right, they of all people had no excuse. They were the ones who should have believed. They were the ones who should have understood. Right, but Paul says, since you thrust it aside, right. So thrust aside. So it's kind of like you guys ever seen like, um, you know, it's kind of like a spoiled kid, you know, at a birthday party who like gets. Like a really cool toy, a, a toy that we would all think is like, oh, that's so cool. What a great toy that is. And the kid's like, oh, what is this? And then, you know, just tosses it aside and everyone's like, oh, you know, like, what is that? Um, right? That's kind of the idea. It's like God, they had first dibs. They should have been like the first to indulge and really enjoy and celebrate and, and, and just glory, glorify God in this. But they're just like, you know, they just had the opposite reaction. They just, they just thrust aside this, the most wonderful gift, eternal life. They were casting eternal life aside. I mean, what can this world offer you that's better than eternal life? Can, any, can anybody, can anything in this world offer you something greater than? I mean, you can, like, um, like what Jesus said, what, what good is it, right, for man to gain the whole world but then lose his soul? Well, that's what they're doing. Right? They're holding on to whatever kind of earthly um, uh, status or place or idols that they had in their life. And they're like, no, we, we, don't, want, we don't want this Jesus. We don't, we don't care about, about, about life everlasting. Right? We just want uh, a Messiah that will fit our agenda and, our, you know, and that will, you know, um, uh, serve our egos and our <laughs> and our sense of power, right? And so, right? They just they just took this this they, this wonderful, and then Paul said that you're just thrusting it aside, right? Like a spoiled kid who's just throwing away like this 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 toy or whatever, you know? And judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. So they're pronouncing judgment upon themselves. It's like you're judging yourself unworthy. So they're accountable for their sin. They are accountable for their unbelief. God is, God holds them culpable. God holds them responsible, right? So everybody who rejects the gospel and ends up perishing um, in hell forever, they're there because of their own guilt, because of their own uh, sinful rebellion. They are completely uh, responsible for that. But hold on to that thought because we're going to we're going to have some fun with that thought as we move further down, right? But, but it, is, it is a sobering thought to think, right, that, you know, um, so Paul, as Paul um, uh, pronounces that they are unworthy of this, uh, of, this, of this wonderful gift, he says, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. 
Okay, now that's a shocking statement. <laughs> okay, that's a very, very shocking statement. For the Jews and the Gentiles, that's a very, very shocking statement. Right? For the Jews, right, they're used to just gathering their synagogues and like, nope, we, we're, 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 we're in our own little Jewish bubble with, and we want everybody to dress like us, eat like us, follow our guidelines. And sometimes, once in a while, a, a Gentile who wanted to uh, become a God-fearer, who wanted to become uh, a proselyte, they, if they could go through these ceremonial rituals, become circumcised, and then they could become uh, a, a Jewish follower, right? You're not really a Jew, but you are, but you can kind of be included in kind of the, you know, of the, you know, you can kind of be covered under the umbrella of God's um, covenant, right? But, um, so they were okay with those kinds of people, people who would say, okay, well, you'll, you'll dress like us, you'll act like us, but these are, now these are just Gentiles who, right, they've come from all over the city, people who have no context of, of the Bible, right, who have no context of uh, the law and the prophets, right, people that the Jews would consider unclean, abominable, like Jews wouldn't, uh, Jews tried to stay as far away from these people as they could. These people were abominable in the, to the Jewish site. Um, they were just like, like, they were the ones that, yeah, God, save us from these Gentiles. That's what they were hoping for. They were like, God, save us from these unclean, um, from these unclean Gentiles. Yeah, they're the ones we need salvation from. <laughs> Lord, wipe them out and restore us to this golden age Davidic kingdom, right? They didn't want anything to do with these Gentiles. So when Paul says, we are turning to the Gentiles, how do they feel? <laughs> Think about that, right? <gasps> you know, it's, not, it's, it's, it's bad enough that they hate the gospel, right? It's bad enough that they hate the word of Christ, that they revile it. But then for Paul to say, no, well, we're taking then what was given to you first, and we're giving it to them, you know, it's just like, you know, can you imagine just how, uh, just how just riveting that, that statement is to them? It's, it's shocking. It's, um, it's, it's vulgar to them. It's offensive, right? So that's when, when Paul says, I am not of the shame, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of salvation for all who believe the Jew first and the Greek, right? That gives a lot more weight, right? To the thrust of that statement. Okay, so, um, so he's, and, and so is this Paul, is Paul acting in anger? Is he, is, is Paul saying this because, well, fine, you guys don't like me, I don't like you, here, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna go my own way, and I'm gonna give to the Gentiles so that, you know, because I don't like you guys, and, I, you know, but, no, it had nothing to do with Paul's, um, it had nothing to do with Paul's emotions or his, he was, it wasn't because he was angry or because he was, you know, contentious with the Jews. I mean, um, I'm sure may, maybe that's, was, but that was the reason. No, Paul says, well, I'm really not here for you guys anyway, <laughs> right? I wanted to come to you. You guys should, you know, I, I, I you know, I, you guys had the first, first offer, but really I'm here to reach the Gentiles. And this is God's plan. It was God's plan for 700 years ago, from Gabe, like as Gabe said, for 700 years ago, uh, uh, in Isaiah 49:6, um, when Paul, when when God is talking about the restoration of Israel, He says, "Is it is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel?" He's saying, so he's, back then he's telling Isaiah, right, who's prophesizing that, the, that Israel is going to be scattered and, um, and exiled, but there's going to be a Savior who's going to restore them and bring them back. But he's saying, but, but God said to Isaiah, it's too, that's too small a thing for me to just raise up one nation, right, just to, to, re, you know, to create the nation of Israel. No, I'm going to make you as a light for the nations, that my, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth, right? So that's, that's Acts 1.8 right there, right? To reach the end of the earth, right? That was a fulfillment of this Isaiah passage for the Gentiles to be reached to, through the Jews, right? So the Jews are God's chosen people, but not because they are 
uh, better, not because they are morally superior, not because they're spiritually um, more, uh, you know, whatever. There's nothing special about the Jews inherently that has anything to do with them. You know, quite the contrary. They prove themselves to be the most unfaithful <laughs> of all people. But they were raised up to show God's faithfulness, to show his covenant love and forgiveness to the people he's chosen, and to be his instrument to reach people of all tribes, tongues, and nations. All right, so this is God's plan being fulfilled. That's what Paul is uh, telling them is like, I'm going to the Gentiles because that's really my mission, right? You guys are kind of the springboard for me to fulfill my mission. And I love you guys. I love my people. God, Paul loved his, his Jewish people. He was zealous for them, but he knew that his mission was to reach the Gentiles. So when the Gentiles heard this, right, they had the complete opposite reaction <laughs> of the Jews. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, right? So you see the complete opposite thing take place, right? You would have thought that the Jews would have been like, yeah, the, amen, oh, and you would have, and they would have thought the Gentiles would be like, oh, we don't want any. No, but the complete opposite happened. Those that we, that we, that they never thought would <laughs> receive it, believed it with joy and rejoicing, right? The th ones that we thought would receive it are like, no, oh, no ways. And so what does that tell you about the nature of the gospel, about gospel ministry? We don't know who's going to believe. <laughs> we don't know who's going to receive it, how they're going to react. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, I would think, like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, look at that guy. Look at that neighbor. He's so nice, and he's cool, and I'd love to share the gospel with him, and he'd want to, <laughs> you know, and, you know, like, and I, I share, you know, maybe I, I, I want to share with somebody who I think is, yeah, like, this, this is a good candidate to be a good Christian. They're like, no, I don't want any of that. I'm a good person. Don't, you know, don't infringe on me. You know, respect my boundaries. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, like, it's amazing how then sometimes sharing with the person you least expect, like, oh, this person would never believe. That person would never receive. That person would never uh, would never become a Christian, boom, right? God saves the worst of sinners, right? The most, the, the outcasts, the ones that we think that, oh, man, God could never reach that person, right? Oh, God does that all the time. That's the, that's the wonderful, wonderful nature of God's grace. Our calling is to just preach the gospel to all men, not, not say like, oh, yeah, this person is a more likely candidate. There's, no, our, preach the gospel to all men. Share the gospel with all people and see how God's grace works and reaches. And, and we see, right, the, the power, the effectual power of God's word confirming itself is that it brings forth joy. It brings forth glory to God as, God, as God's word comes from him Right? It goes out, it fulfills a purpose, and it brings glory back to him through those that he chooses to effect it through. Right? And so we see, we don't need, I don't need to prove to you that the Bible is true. I don't need to prove to you that the gospel is true. I just need to preach it to you and let God's spirit work in your heart and, and affect your heart through it. Right? So our job right, is to just know and trust in the power of God's word because we know the power of God's word. We know that, we know that God's word has impacted us and regenerated us right so believe that it'll do the same for others and and it says here as many as were appointed to eternal life believed all right so think about that as many as were appointed to eternal life trevor what does that mean what's the inference behind that As many as were appointed. Who appoints? God appoints, right? So as many as were appointed to eternal life believe. So just think about the implications of that. Did they appoint themselves? Did, did they appoint themselves for eternal life? Would they have believed if they were not appointed? Right? Could they believe if they, you know... Did, did they do something to earn God's appointment? No. Right? So what does that tell you about the nature of God's, about the nature of God's grace? Right? It's all of his sovereign work. It's God who chooses. It's God who 
determines who believes and who doesn't, right? And our human nature doesn't like that, does it? Our human nature wants to say, no, no, no. God, God, you know, it's somewhere in there. Our God, God's all about our free will. God's given us free will. No, I'm thankful God overcame my sinful, rebellious uh, will against him. You know, in my, in my, um, in my unsaved state, I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted nothing. God had nothing. I, I, I was not seeking him. I was not desiring him. I wanted nothing to do with him. Trust me. I wanted everything but God. Right? It is only the fact that God overcame my will. Only the fact that God imposed his will over mine that I was saved. And that's the same for you. Uh, every one of us, um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right? And so that's the, that's the real, um, that's the real uh, significance of the, of the doctrine of election, of predestination, is that we cannot boast in our salvation. We, are, we, can, we, 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 we can do nothing but take all accountability for our sin, right? So when we sin, right, that's on us. We, that's, like, that's, that's our sin. That is our, um, that is our guilt. That, is, that, it, that, that truly is our, um, um, our, our guiltiness before God. We are culpable for that. But God alone <laughs> is, receives all credit for our receiving salvation, for our believing, right? We never would have believed. We, we are saved through faith and believing, but why do we believe and have faith? It's because God's spirit regenerates our heart in the first place. We would not believe if God's spirit did not act upon our hearts to receive, to awaken, to have this craving for God's truth to enter our lives and change us. Right, and so I uh, would love to have, I mean, if you guys wanna, if, if anybody, you know, I, I don't know how, um, you know, if anybody has any questions about, you know, the nature of election, predestination, and, you know, um, you know uh, we would love to have that conversation if anyone's um, curious, but uh, I wanna finish this up by uh, soon. So, uh, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, so they're rejoicing, and now the whole, through the Gentiles, it's not just spreading through the city, it's spreading throughout the whole region. The word of God reached the Gentiles and now they're reaching, they're, now the gospel's going beyond. And right, and what is this? It's like Paul did, Paul preached one Sabbath, discipled people in the grace of God, preached another message, and then it's, it's just, there's this reverberation, right? Um, God's, God, is wor- God is working this, um, uh, his salvific, his salvific purposes, right, through the preaching of the word, right? And that's why, guys, the preaching of the word is central as, as a church. Um, some of us went through the marks of a healthy church, and what is the first mark of a healthy church? It's expositional preaching, healthy, gospel-centered preaching from the pulpit, right? Um, you know, Bob has essentially, at the end of the day, I mean, Paul, Bob has many jobs, you know. He has, he has many things that he does and shepherds and cares, right? But the most essential thing that Pastor Bob does, right, is preach the word faithfully, to preach the gospel, to preach uh, through scripture week in and week out. And that is the life flow of the church. And that's how the spirit moves from be, within this these church walls to outside to reach people in our community, reach our family, reach international students, right? reach co-workers and things like that. So, right, so the church, the people of God um, being filled with God's word week in and week out, that's the way God wants to reach, wants to reach our community and to reach the nations through healthy churches proclaiming the word of God. Um, all right, so then we see again a very, very negative reaction, right? But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, drove them out of their district, right? So now, so we see a, 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 
a unity of believing Jews and believing Gentiles, right? Establishing the church. Well, on the flip side, right, now we see unbelieving Jews uniting with unbelieving Gentiles to persecute the church, right? And so uh, before the gospel, right, these Jews wouldn't have wanted anything to do with these city leaders, right? When it talks about the leaders of the city, right, these are Gentiles, right, who are, who are, who have these high positions, right? And, and just like, you know, the Jews turned Jesus over to Pilate to be crucified, right? And there was this unification between the, the unbelievers, right, against Jesus, right? Now there's this unification in opposing the gospel, right? And so at the end of the day, right, we, we look at a world that we, 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 there's no end to the kind of distinctions we make, right? We make all kinds of ethnic distinctions, political distinctions, social distinctions, um, economic distinctions, like there's people in this category, that, and, and there's all these ways that our society is divided, right, over, over ethnicities, race, culture, um, ideologies. At the end of the day, right, there's only, there's, only two, there's only two groups that God sees, right? The saved and the unsaved, the believers and the unbelievers, my people and not my people, right? If you really, when the gospel is really put forward, right, it cuts society, it divides, right? Jesus said, you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, not peace, but division, right? From now on, there will be two, uh, in a household two against three and three against two, mother against daughter, father against son, right? Um, the word of God divides the society into just simply two camps, right? The, um, those who are saved and those who are perishing. And so, um, right, and so as, as God's, um, so again, when we talk about unity, right, in society, there's only, one, there's only one unity that we as Christians are to seek after, and that's really unity in the truth of Christ, unity. There's so many believers out there now trying to seek unity with the world and saying, okay, okay, maybe we'll leave, you know, we'll, we'll back off of this truth and let's try to find common ground with the world on this, that they stay step off, they step out of scripture, they step out of truth because, well, I, you know, we want to find, no, there is no common ground. <laughs> we need to be firmly planted in the word of God and, and stand upon it and, and let it be the, the rock upon we which that we hold to, right? We hold to the God's word, we hold to the gospel, right? And whatever comes our way, whatever opposition, right? We will be united in this truth. Okay, uh, lastly, so they're, they reviling Paul. They drove him out of the district. But they shook the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. So what does it remind you of? Does anybody remember what this kind of reminds us of? Where did this happen? Shaking the dust from our feet. Does anybody remember where this happened before? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, so the same thing. Um, uh, Jesus sent the 72 out to preach uh, throughout uh, Judea, right? Um, he says, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town, right? So shaking the dust from their feet, right? It's like, I will have nothing to do with you, right? We are... We are, we are in completely different worlds, <laughs> you know, um, you, you know, you are, you are bringing judgment upon yourself. You are bringing, you know, you are, in, you are willingly setting yourself up to incur God, God's wrath, right? And I will have nothing to do with that, right? That's the idea, right? So it was, it was, uh, it was an act of uh, judgment upon them. But even in that, right, it's, it's a warning, it's, 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 it, that, even that is, is an act of grace. You're giving them still one more chance to repent. Like, look, I'm leaving. You better think about what I say and, and turn to the Lord, right? So even in that, who knows? Hopefully, you know, I mean, the, the scripture doesn't say they did, but at least he's giving, he's being truthful with them and saying, hey, if you don't, you don't repent, right? You're going to come under the wrath of God. Um, but the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So just as... Uh, Kaleo said, right, they had just been reviled, they'd been persecuted, they'd been driven out, and yet they're full of joy, right? That doesn't make sense to the world, right? If you've just been rejected, if you've just been despised, if you've just been insulted and 
you know, driven and threatened, right? You're not supposed to be joyful, right? You're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be, um, you're supposed to be uh, vengeful, right? You're supposed to be bitter or discouraged, right? That's, that's, the, that's the way of the world, right? But they were filled with joy as they were driven out, um, as they were, because they, the, they had the Holy Spirit at work in them, right? And again, that's, the, that's, that's all of the, the hope and the assurance that uh, we as believers will persevere to the end and will fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we were relying on our, you know, there's so many churches, right, relying on their, you know, relying on their, maybe their intellect or their fanciful ways, you know, entertainment or, um, you know, uh, seeker-sensitive um, type of uh, ways of, drawing people in or whatever, you know, these churches, when really, when push comes to shove, they're going to crumble because they don't have a foundation and they don't have the power of God at work within their ministry. But a church that is centered on preaching the word, preaching truth and living by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, right? We will endure whatever comes, right? I think we're, I mean, we're going to face some things, I think, as a church in the next year. Do you guys get that feeling (laughs) looking at the way the world is? We're going to face some things, man, and I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, the church is going to more and more come under resistance. We're going to face, res, uh, we're going to be reviled. We're going to be blasphemed. We're going to be hated even more than we are. We already are, you know, uh, you know, and however that um, persecution or that, that takes form as God ordains and wills, right? Uh, it, it will all be according to his sovereign purpose, but whatever we face, right, we will endure, right, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of our strength, not because we're courageous, not because we are super, super people, right? We are frail. We are weak. We have nothing <laughs> within us, right, to, um, w- w- inherent to ourselves to, um, to conquer and to be victorious, but in Christ through his power and his promises, right? And through him promising to complete what he began in us, right? We will endure and we will receive that promise. Our promise is not in this world, but it is in the eternity to come. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would give us a spiritual hunger for the word, just as we saw um, the... The first believers in Perga just begging for the, to be taught the word of God, to hear such things, and to learn to continue in the grace of God. We ask, Father, that um, you would just continue to fill us and renew us with that um, spiritual uh, working of your grace within us, that we may be conformed to Christ, follow Christ, imitate him as we, uh, as we yoke with one another and sharpen one another. We ask, Father, that um, the gospel would be preached faithfully and boldly here at Nu'uanu and among churches all over our island and all over our state and all over our nation and all over the world. And, Father, there are so many things in this going on in this world right now that would uh, lead us to be fearful and despair. But, Father God, your word continually fills us and um prepares us to stand in the days of trial and tribulation. Uh, We ask, Father, that you would purify our church from all works of the flesh, all falsehood, all um, um, anything, Lord, that you revile, anything that you find dishonorable within us. Would you please purify us of that? Would you make us a church that is, uh, that, that practices discipline in love, Would you please uh, give us an eternal perspective, an infinite value of this, uh, a sense of the infinite value of eternal life and what Christ has purchased. Lord, Lord, uh, it is with all certainty that we will die and that our flesh will pass away. But Lord, we pray that uh, we would keep our eyes fixed on what is eternal and the riches of your, your kingdom forever. And we pray, Lord, for our joy to be increased um, by our sense of 
unworthiness, that we are recipients of such uh, an amazing unmerited grace. Um, we've done nothing to earn or uh, prompt you to save us. Lord, you, by your own will, you've, you, uh, brought, you, you brought the gospel to us through other faithful missionaries and witnesses and pastors and evangelists. And we just pray, Father, that we would be um, just faithful to make disciples and to just fulfill our great commission as a church, um, being sustained by your power. Lord, I want to pray, Father, for um, just the church and the people uh, in, a, in Afghanistan right now. Um, they've just been on my heart and many, many hearts, Lord, here in the church for um, the past uh, few days. It's just, Lord... Um, there's just so much to be discouraged and sad about and some of the things happening that just, just break our heart going on with the um, going on in that country and just a sense of lostness and defeat <laughs> as, as a country. And, um, and so Father God, I just, we just pray Father that in such turmoil and such chaos and such violence and such hopelessness right now that Lord, the gospel would be proclaimed in that place, that the church would be established, that, that those Taliban militant uh, fighters and followers, Lord, that they would be saved. We pray, Father, that you would bring evangelists to a place like that to, to win them to Christ, that those Taliban people would become Christians and that they would, that, that they would somehow hear this marvelous truth of the cross and anything we can do as a church lord to 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 serve that purpose to help that purpose father please show us and and lord all over the world um with such um lostness and such we pray for australia lord with which is just in lockdown and just shut down lord with so many communications and Lord, that's a nation, Lord, that has been so lost for a long time. And now, Lord, and they are just suffering. And I just pray that the church would rise up in Australia as well and, and, um, and that they would have spiritual freedom and spiritual deliverance, Lord, from, the, um, from their darkness. I, we pray for our state, for our country, Lord, and there's just such a, still just such a lostness and a, and a resistance to your truth lord we we want to believe in anything but god lord we want to put our faith in anything but god we we just come up with our own devices our own ideologies and we just see the futileness of our own ways and i just pray father for hawaii and for our country lord that you would just raise up more evangelists and that the gospel would go clearly that you would bring revival that there would be just a, a movement of the holy spirit um, that as churches preach there would be a reverberation across our state across the united states across north and south america lord across the whole world and so father we just thank you that we are we are victorious lord and everything going on we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and so let us continue to walk and continue this grace together and we continue to um, just uh, praise and glorify you. Christ, and we pray. Amen.